good good morning everyone uh happy happy uh tuesday um <laughs> sorry i'm sorry everyone my cat is my cat is uh distracting us um she's decided to tape she's been quiet the whole time until taping so but welcome to our podcast episode we've been on hiatus for a while i'm sarah and i so i'm alan hillary and i'm here with sarah rodriguez now rodriguez rather and Welcome to the Be Data Lib podcast. We're also joined by what's your cat's name? We're also joined by Nisha. She's our guest. She's our guest today. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, she's definitely uh, very. She's eaten, so I don't know, but I guess she just wants to come into the podcast episode. Hi, Nisha. Say hello to the audience. Okay. So, so can uh, can she share her data literacy story with us? Um, I think she wants to. I mean, uh, she's very happy because I think she's more excited because we fin- I finally got the air condition fixed. We've had we've had had air conditioned for like a month, and we've had two hot days. And so I think she's just happy that she can now run around the house without breaking a sweat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so and I am definitely happy about that too. Uh, so there's been a lot going on since the hiatus, as you can see, but. Um, you know, Sarah and I really thought it was important to reach back out to you all, continue the episodes. And one of the things that we wanted to do today was something that we've always talked about. So we're actually in the middle of a planning session as to what we would like to talk about for our episodes. And every time Sarah and I get together, we always say, you know what, we should take that conversation because it would have made a good podcast. So today we decided to press record while we're um, talking about, you know, a few topics that came up during our uh, initial planning session. And Sarah has tasked me to get Nisha on the show. No, that's a joke. <laughs> she, so she has tasked, she asked me if I wanted to share parts of my journey and I was happy to do so. Um, I've definitely been at a few, one of our main topics has been crossroads. And so I think we both agree that in life, you do come across many forks in the road. And so today, you know, we wanted to talk about a few of those forks in the road. Um, Some of them that I've experienced from, you know, parts of my data journey. So here we are. I am trying to get over Nisha just being there. Like, why aren't you paying attention to me? You were talking to someone else who is not me. And there could not be anything more applicable to this conversation than Nisha just screaming in the background right now. (laughs) Yeah. You know, sometimes a lot of us just want to sit back and just scream, you know, (laughs) you know, about things that are going on in our lives or our careers. But, um, yeah, I, she's very active today. I've got her to sit over there on the other side of the studio. So let's see if she uh, plays with her, <laughs> no, plays with her toys. <laughs> and um, and let and um, but yeah, but we're going to still continue the conversation here because it's important. I'm glad that we decided to record one of our typical conversations as a podcast because I agree. So many times we go off script of the things that we were talking about as far as planning goes or whatnot. And just the conversations we have to me are such important ones. So I'm glad that we're doing it this way instead of just saying, what are we going to talk about today, Ellen? 
you know um who's our guest today um yeah and i know that both of us i mean even though we've been on hiatus from the show we've we've still talked but you know we haven't had a chance to talk as much because we've both been busy but yeah i figured you know you brought up a good point that why don't you just share what's been going on a little bit you know with mm-hmm. me and just you know and i use that as a point of reflection and some things that i feel it can be helpful to the audience because I believe that, you know, we go through, we experience things and um, sometimes they're not, they're challenges, but sometimes other people are going through them. We don't realize it. And so I figured, you know, with some of the challenges that I've had or encountered, I know someone else is out there. If someone else can relate to it. Then I feel good to know that maybe I can give, we can give them some insight. Yeah. I think, uh, we had a really good schedule going as far as the podcast goes in. Uh, both of us had a lot of thoughts and ambitions about what we wanted to do. And this is also why I think talking about this is really important because life happens. And yes, <laughs> understatement, Sarah, but um, life happens. And you and I, between the two of us, have had too much life happen this year already. I know. And it's only half a year. So we did right? come back half of the year. And it's been, I feel like there are moments I feel like I've been through another five years. <laughs> but, Just when you think you've aged five years in a day. Yeah. It's funny how the year can feel like, okay, like it's half a year, right? I just remembered it was mm-hmm. January. But then there's other points where it's like, you know, it feels like a lot has happened due to the, you know, things that, you know, we can experience at times like, okay, I know it's been six months, but it's felt like I said five years. <laughs> so. so we're here today to just kind of talk about where we want to go next and some of the things that we want to work on for be data lit. But part of this is also acknowledging the humanity of what we do too. And some of the things that have happened in your life. Um, yeah. I was, can you share some of that? What are yeah. you comfortable sharing? Yeah, right I, can, um, I mean, right, you know, here we are mid-2022. Um, and as you know, I mean, I'm going to start a little bit like overarching and kind of drill down a little bit. But um, it's been so I'll first start with saying I had a loss in the family earlier this year. My mom passed away. Uh, so that has, again, brought me to another crossroads because about five years ago, my dad had passed away. And so and in between that, there's been some other losses. But the thing about life and death is that it causes us or it causes me anyway. I think I'm not the only one to take inventory of your life. So when we, you and I first met Sarah about five years ago, that was or roughly maybe it was like no three years ago. Um, that was roughly a time where I was kind of dealing with the loss of my dad and just trying to take an inventory of my life and also just figuring out what do I want to do next? (laughs) You know, because when you start taking inventory of your life, at least for me, you realize how short life can be. You want to make an impact, not in a like egocentric type of way, but you just want to, at least for me, leave the world a little bit better than the way you found it. Or because you have been through some things, you want to make sure that maybe someone else doesn't have to go through that. And so I have been thinking about, okay, How can I first get fulfillment? And then how can I also leave a legacy or leave something, like I said, that makes 
I can leave this world better than the way I found it. And so I had been on that journey when you and I started talking on the uh, DVS, Data Visualization Society Slack channels about data literacy. And we both wanted to make an impact because we both agreed that, you know, data literacy is not just a corporate thing. It's something that happens in our everyday lives. And I would say now here I am, you know, about five years later from that other crossroads. And I'm again, you know, figuring out what's next or also just kind of looking back and reflecting on what I have learned or experienced or questions that have come up for me. Um, And some of them, what I did when I also was taking an inventory of my life, uh, I was looking to see what skills that I had that were transferable because I also did a career, well, not a career change, but I did a career transition. So I, you know, earlier on I had, I was working in a corporate environment and I had an opportunity to um, leave that situation and wanted to explore what else I wanted to do. I mean, in addition to trying to figure out what I wanted to do career-wise, I also realized at the time that I had to step in to help my family a little bit more. You know, my um, mom needed some help as far as like running the household. And then my aunt, her sister, you know, she had more increasing needs. And so I was looking to find a way to balance all those things. And, you know, one of those topics that comes up from when I reflect on that is like caregiving. You know, we talk about, we don't have a lot of industry talking about like, helping employees or helping work the workforce with like their, you know, their older, older loved ones, you know, you know, there's definitely a lot of companies that acknowledge helping employees raise their kids or raise their families. But, you know, there's not a lot of information out there about being a caregiver and that can definitely take on different roles depending on the situation. But it's definitely something that I look back, I was like, you know, I wish there was this book. Like, you know, we talk about the what to expect when you're expecting books. Like they, they, need, to, they need to have something like that for when you have to be a caregiver for, you know, an older older relative or a parent. Um, definitely something like that. So if I ever have time between the podcast and our fight for data literacy, I'm definitely going to try to definitely try to write a book on, you know, this is what you should expect. Or these are the resources that you can tr- kind of reach out to. There's a lot to unpack in what you just said, but I know <laughs> there's a there's a couple things I want to bring up from what you were just talking about is being a caregiver, but being a caregiver also means extending the idea and the definition of what family is. And True. typically the definition of family is given to parents and their children. Do you mean the, t- the quote unquote average nuclear family, right? Correct. Exactly. The average nuclear family. And I don't have children. Alan, do you have children? I do. Well, outside of Nisha, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I know if we're counting for children, you definitely have me beat. So, um, But I, I think, well, we are extended the idea of family to our parents. The idea of family extended to us is not as inclusive because we don't have children. And so... Uh, typically you do, like you just mentioned, you see so many topics about how to support parents, new parents or existing parents. But 
um, from that caregiver mentality with aging parents, how do you take care of them? And then um, what you've had to go through this year too, and managing grief after that caregiving experience too, it's, there's a depth to that. And it's not to diminish new parents. It's not to diminish existing parents either. It's just expanding on the definition of family to include people like us who also have parents that we need to take care of too. Yeah. And also just acknowledging that, you know, I know it's cliche, but times have changed, like things have mm-hmm. definitely changed. And I'm, it is not just the makeup of families, but also, well, it is the makeup of families that has definitely changed. But it's also, you know, we're living longer, you know, mm-hmm. and then there's also different dynamics. People are having people have had children at different ages. Not that there's any typical correct time per se, but it's just that people have the traditional things of what we've been used to. Um, and I guess I'll speak for American culture because I don't believe this. I'll speak for American culture. Like it's it's changed, you know, in terms of timelines. You know, we have women working. So that changes some timelines that have been t- given to us as a guide, so to speak, or even just the makeup of what family is. Um, and so and people living longer. And so that changes that trajectory, you know, um, especially as, you know. People live longer. Um, people are doing things at a different time as prescribed in the past. And so, yeah, we need to just acknowledge those things and we need to uh, recognize that, you know, there are people who are going to be taking care of their parents and taking care of their children at the same time while they're still, yeah. you know, in their 30s or their 40s. You know, this is a lot of time. While maintaining a full-time job. And exactly. This past year of really the past two plus years navigating circumstances nobody ever thought you'd have to navigate either. So, yeah, I think the pandemic has definitely been that, I don't know, that seasoning that has enhanced the I don't know if it's a good flavor, but it's definitely it's definitely been an exasperator. I think it whatever I feel like whatever cards or we were trying to keep together called our lives, the pandemic was that gust of wind that we did not plan on. <laughs> or that cat that hit the table and knocked over everything. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have too much experience with the cats who hit the table. So that is a apt metaphor for these circumstances but there's there's a trauma from the past couple years that we haven't dealt with yet and then to go through an additional trauma like you have and yeah that's why we've really we've gone dormant we are hibernating a bit because of that yeah and you know and it's also interesting you know like i said for that my experience per se is like it was parallel so there was trying to adjust to grief adjust to like the new normal which that has gotten so played out (laughs) these past (laughs) few years from my grief therapy and from the pandemic (laughs) but yeah new normals i i get new normals almost like every six months these days but (laughs) it's just you know i you know, the parallels. So between that and then also trying to manage your career, because a lot of us are still trying to manage our careers. Um, You know, and I know, for example, for me, I was trying to figure out, okay, what's next, my second or maybe my third act. But it was like, in between that, there was also the other role of caregiver. But, you know, I'm taking this a little bit further out for the general audience. You know, there are people who are in maybe in the middle of their second or third act, or maybe they're 
they got or their production got put on hold. When I say that, there's like a lot of like I think it was like fifty percent of women have walked had to necess- had to leave their jobs due to the pandemic, um, and so that's definitely impacting the workforce. And then even with families, and then like you know, the pandemic has just caused a whole a put a monkey wrench in a lot of stuff. But I'm saying all this to say is that you know. Yeah, we have we're living in some unprecedented times and it's just we just navigating itself. And I talked to many of my friends and colleagues, including you, Sarah, (laughs) that, you know, like there's just been a lot of hiccups and there's a lot of like shifts and changes and people trying to figure out what's next for them or how to like, I don't know, just get from Monday to Friday, let alone, (laughs) you know, thinking about what they're going to do like next year. Yeah, I think that's such a relevant topic right now. It's like, what's next? And you are, you and I are thinking about that for like be data lit too. Like, what do we do next? How do we help people to discuss data literacy? How do we empower people to be advocates in this space? And I, for myself personally, I have to say it's been uncomfortable this past six months and it makes me realize how much the partnership with you is important to me too, because to do this alone is so much work and not just like the things we choose to do, like writing the blog, doing the podcast, talking to people, but that mental load that comes with it too, because our message is not the message of so many other people. And it's one you and I both really believe in that data literacy isn't this jargony word that's just bandied about to make some new initiative at a corporate office sound good, you know? And that's hard. (laughs) No, it's hard. And I was thinking about when, you know, we talk about it and you've talked about it in a lot of your presentations, like, you know, helping your mom, for example, navigate online bill payment or looking up healthcare. And it made me think the other day, because I was talking to someone, you know, like I had my, when I was helping my mom, you know, we, we would, I was trying to get her a system to help, you know, pay the bills. Like she used to pay them, but like my dad was doing most of it at the time. And so we had to first come up with a system for her to do that. And so, you know, we were still using old school checks. So like my, I remember my brother was like, why don't you just do automatic bill payment? Well, I'm like, I want my mom to be more like involved in this, want, you know, just to keep her active in some level. Mm-hmm. So, so it goes back to what you were saying about data literacy. Like, you know, um, yeah, my mom did not do online bill payment. I kind of did that if it had to get to that. But other than that, she was doing the old school, putting the check in the envelope and stuff right. like that and keeping keeping track of her budget with the ledger and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, so it made me think about a lot of our past conversations where we're talking about, you know, data literacy is not just, you know, for work, like we have it in our everyday lives. We need it in our everyday lives. My, the one, I've always used my mom as the North Star for so many of my data literacy, I mean, obviously. Yeah, like if my mom can do this, you all can do this, right? (laughs) Or if my mom can't do this, then we know how many other moms can't do this either. But um, she's really, because she's of that generation where she grew up without that digital age, that digital experience. And she was born in the 50s. And um, 
she graduated from high school in the 70s. And then after that, I mean, compute, I when I went to high school, my first year of uh, high school. Oh, God, this sounds terrible. 92. Um, <laughs> 30 Say it real fast. No one heard it. Okay. <laughs> 1992. <laughs> How many of our listeners weren't even born before? <laughs> Or until after ninety two. All right, I'm gonna have Nisha check the demographics of our audience. She's in the she's now quiet in the corner over there, so I'll give her that assignment. Thank you, Nisha. We we would like you to check in with us at the end of this call. Let us know. (laughs) Um, But she grew up in an age where she was already established in a career that did not use computers actively until later on, and. Um, my story about her from the pandemic uh, is uh, in 2020, especially uh, early 2020, my grandpa back in Wisconsin had to have surgery and there weren't a lot of surgeries happening when the pandemic um, really hit peak back then. But my mom went up there to spend time with him because it was needed surgery and she stayed because she had to. And my grandpa is in his 90s. He doesn't have a computer. He does not have Wi-Fi. He does not have a smartphone. And here everything is shut down. He just had surgery. She can't go out um, to get him stuff at the risk of him and her getting sick. And it it got to the point where um, I had to start ordering groceries for them online because they could not. And if we didn't live in a digital age, that wouldn't have been able to happen. I wouldn't have been able to help my family get groceries, but because we did. But that also says how many people don't have access to the things they need because of this either. Where no, right. if it had just been my grandpa and my mom hadn't been up there, like what would we have done? And mm-hmm they were eventually able to tap into his direct neighbor's Wi-Fi, and my mom was able to use that for stuff. But it's, it's, I think that's the story that really hit home for me. And also just that caregiver mentality too, that when you're at a distance and when things like this happen, what do you do and what kind of support do you get? But how are you helping the people you care about? Yeah. I think about that too. Like during the pandemic, you know, I, the way life worked out for me, I was able to, you know, when I left my, you know, my corporate job, I was in another state. I, I moved back to, you know, live with my mom. And, you know, I'm thankful because during the pandemic, some of the situations you're talking about with your mom and granddad and some of the things that I read, because I do, I, you know, I try to donate to food banks, you know, in the area. And so there are a lot of people like your grandfather who does not have access to the internet or they don't have the capabilities of, shopping for themselves, especially during the height of the pandemic. I mean, you know, I, I became a frequent shopper at Amazon. <laughs> during the pandemic. As we all did. And then I also brave, but I did brave going out, you know, at the time, cause you know, we didn't know how the pandemic was during the height of it. And so I did brave going out, you know, and I, so, you know, I wouldn't want my mom and my aunt, you know, at the time to have to go out and they would have had to rely on taxis because my mom didn't, doesn't, didn't mm-hmm. drive. So it was like, yeah, you think about a lot of those things. Um, 
and sometimes, you know, you're in these crazy crossroads or crazy, but sometimes they kind of work out in other situations to help you get through things. And yeah, so I was also just thinking about, you know, you talked about all the work we're doing with Be Data Lit and we love doing it, but you know, there may be some people again who are in their second or third act or trying to figure out what the next act is. <laughs> um, so two things come up, you know, when I think about this experience, like the future of work and also helping people understand that maybe what your passion may be as you're trying to discover your passion may not have to be your full-time job. That might sound controversial, but <laughs> we have this, this is P-Data Lit, so we're just going to put it out there, <laughs> you know, you know, so those are two things, the future of work, like what do you want to do? And then, you know, with a pandemic age, because I think the pandemic is still here to some degree and, you know, work schedules, flex, you know, there are people who are, aren't able to work, you know, and they're trying to maybe find something. And at the same time, you're trying to figure out your passion. So, yeah, you can get a taste of what's been going on with me for the past five years. <laughs> I, I just really relate to a lot of what you just said, though, too, like that second and third act, those crossroads you come to, because uh, I think the one thing I've come to realize the longer I'm in a career, the older I get. Because, again, I started high school in 92. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Play that lottery number, everyone. Okay. <laughs> 92. Um, but, God, fashion was not fun in 92. Anyway, why are 90s jeans coming back, Alan? I know that's a segue, but... Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I was watching, well, I was watching Scream. So Scream came out in the 90s and it was just like, oh yeah, we just <laughs> like that. I don't know. It's Stranger Things. I don't watch Stranger Things, but I think that's the 80s. So we won't even go there. But yeah. I haven't caught up with Stranger Things in a while. All right. All right. That was a good segue. Yeah. But the, the point I wanted to make was that there's an infinite amount of crossroads you're going to go through. and. Yeah. It's okay if you go through an infinite amount of crossroads because sometimes you're doing something and you realize that's not the right thing. And I think as individuals, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to complete something rather than admit this isn't the right thing. And it's okay not to complete something. It's not. It's okay not to follow all the way through if it's not something healthy. And yeah, where were you when I was in college? <laughs> oh, where were you at a few jobs a few jobs ago? I don't know what year was this, Alan. Let's discuss. <laughs> uh, let me see. What, uh, do I want to discuss that? Well, I, yes, I just said when I went into high school. I understand what you said. I don't want to okay, so I think I was in high school. I think I wrap, I was wrapping up high school. Well, I was halfway through it when you started. So okay, okay, yeah, I was halfway through it because I yeah. <laughs> so you started in ninety. I started in ninety. Yes, yes. Wow. Okay. See, 90. I was at the cusp of the nineties. Yeah. So all right. So college would have been what around 94, 90. 95? College was ninety. Yeah, about yeah ninety. No, was it? <laughs> I mean, if you started, it was ninety three. Yeah. College was ninety three. Ninety three. Then yeah, I was in Wisconsin before a little bit. Yeah, what happened? I believe this was in the middle of the cryptosporidium outbreak of Wisconsin. That's where I was. Oh, okay. Google that cryptosporidium in Wisconsin. I know you mentioned crypto. And I'm like, dang, isn't crypto happening? Not crypto. <laughs> 
Very different. Very well, different. Threw me off for a minute. Yeah. Okay. I was like, okay, Sarah. There, there was crypto going on in some part of the U.S. before. <laughs> no, this was like pre-COVID era. But my whole high school, like Milwaukee in general, uh, everything was shut down because of cryptosporidium, and we had to boil our water, and everyone just got super sick, oh, and they no. closed school. Well, they figured this out. So it was like the whole southeastern Wisconsin 90s crypto outbreak. Oh, my gosh. So what was this, like a water poisoning or something? Or? Uh-huh. It was um, runoff from farms that got into the water supply. Oh, wow. Mm, Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't remember that happening during... <laughs> Well, I also wasn't a big, I have to admit, I wasn't a big news follower, but. <laughs> I mean, that was almost 30 years ago, so that's yeah, acceptable. Not, yeah, we don't have to do the math on that. <laughs> but, that's where I was while you were in college, Alan. That's why I could not give you that back, back then. Also, I was an awkward teenager, so I wouldn't be able to do that, so. <laughs> but I have known about you being an awkward teenager, given how you're oh. like the smooth podcast host. Um. I had a penchant for wearing sweater vests. Okay. Which my friends make fun of me about till this day. Um, All the sweater vests I would wear. <laughs> so maybe you have. Are you going to post a picture of that on Twitter just to show? Heck no. Okay. Well, I don't even. I think. I don't even know if I have any because, again, thank goodness, this was during a time when we didn't have cell phones <laughs> taking camera uh, pictures of everything. Oh, wow. Yes. That. Yes. We got. Saved. I am grateful for that. <laughs> saved from that. Yes. Yeah. So where do you think the future of work is going? I ask this question a lot lately and uh, just watching the news. um, there's this case happening in California right now. My husband was telling me about it last night and it's a Amazon employee is suing Amazon for being remote during COVID and is suing for his internet and electricity. Oh, so in other words, he wants to be compensated for the internet and electricity he used while he was mm-hmm. remote. I see. Yeah. And so I feel like things like that are Going in, it's a case that's been moving forward too. Like it hasn't been stopped in the court systems at all. Mm. And things like that make me wonder about the future of work. Like, what if that does happen? What if that does go through? Are yeah. more companies going to use that as a precedent and say, you have to come back to work? But then there's also the weight of public opinion right now, where so many people are remote and companies have moved to remote work too. But then you have a lot of, I, Last week, was I almost posted about it on LinkedIn because I felt like so many CEOs were posting about how important it is to be in the office to connect with people. I don't think, well, I do, I do, I will say that I think collaboration does play a point and I get it, but I don't know if we need to be, again, times have changed. We're not in the same nuclear traditional timeline of things anymore. I don't know if we need to be quote unquote nine to five. And if we're really honest, okay, workforce, if we're really as the <laughs> corporate workforce, if we're really honest with ourselves, we know that it has not been nine to five for a very long time. 
No. We may have to be in the office or give a nine to five presence at one point in time, but we know that work never stopped at five o'clock. We did not go home and log off our machines. We did not keep our desktop, you know, our laptops. Because, you know, we had, there was a time, some of us were desktops were in the office. So that means you couldn't, you weren't obligated to be on your computer if the computer was in the office and you were at home on the weekends. But now since you can bring your cell phone and your laptop home, we all know that, you know, the work for the work timeline has not been nine to five for a very long time. So let's just put that out there. So I don't think that we need a nine to five, quote unquote, schedule. You know, I also don't think we need to be in the office five days a week. Again, some of us are in office more than five days a week, but I don't think we need those traditional standards or defaults like five days a week in the office, nine to five, nine to six in the office. I don't know how you feel about that, Sarah. No, I agree with that. And since I've been a manager now running my own team, I I've definitely had to reevaluate how I feel about the traditional work week and navigating such interesting times too. like a lot of what we're talking about is so relevant to everyone. It's everyone has something happening. Yeah. And I, you know, and again, I'm the kind of person where I've, I've managed my career for good or for bad, (laughs) where you get the work done. So sometimes, yes, I am trying, I will do something on a Saturday. If if I know that something was due on Monday, I didn't get a chance to get to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think that should be the norm. Um, And I think that, yes, we can have more flexible work schedules. And, you know, definitely if people have things legit going on or they're at a certain point in their life, like maybe a loved one is going through an illness or maybe you're trying to balance um, school schedules for your children. I mean, yes, I should be able to tell someone that I work with, okay, I understand you need to be quote unquote out of pocket 11 to one o'clock today. This is done. Let me know if you can do it, you know, by the certain date or day. Um, And if that entails you working from seven to eight and it's okay with you just to get this thing done, then that's fine. I mean, I feel like it's, I should be able to trust my team to give them tasks and they get them done. Um, and I don't need to know how, <laughs> you know, exactly. unless, it's something that, unless it's something where I feel like, okay, you know what, you shouldn't be working two to three in the morning every day. <laughs> but, but, but at the same time, if they get it done and there's no issue, or they're, you know, they're, they're open with me, open communication, and that's how it works for them, then that should be fine. Gartner posted something last week that I want to dive into a little bit more once I have a chance about one of the reasons people are leaving work right now in the remote world is because of micromanagement, where a lot of managers don't know how to manage in this remote world either. And they still have those expectations that you were just talking about that we used to have when we were tied to a desktop. And sometimes you couldn't leave until your work was done Um, at nine to five, that very tradition. Can we call that the nuclear work style, like the nuclear family? Can we coin a new phrase? I guess we can call it. I'm sure I'm sure there was definitely a parallel with the whole with the whole nuclear model where nine to five kind of worked, especially for most jobs. Because shout out to people who don't who don't work in those traditional um, hours. (laughs) But yes. But um, it, it I see that happening. And in this remote world, you have to have flexibility. You have to trust people and be such a clear communicator too. And I agree that that in person, there's 
just something about seeing people in person that doesn't get replaced by remote. And in an ideal world, you're going to still have that. But nine to five isn't doable anymore. And for all the things that you talked about, nine to five doesn't support caregiving. Nine to five doesn't support what we need for our mental health also sometimes. Sometimes we just need to step away for an hour or two and just come down from whatever it is. Like I I have to admit this year more than any other year, I've dealt with anxiety on a level I never have. And sometimes to deal with my anxiety, I need quiet and I need not to work. I need to not be part of anything. I need to remove myself from a circumstance for it to reduce. And, um, my job allows me to do that. Does that mean I'm underperforming? No, it just means I need to be a more effective communicator. It means I have to let my team know I need to step away. It means I tell my leadership I need to step away and that I, I take care of myself so I can be better when I am there, when I am present. Yeah, I definitely struggle with that. And definitely this year with everything, I'm the loss. So what I found helps is like um, sometimes you have to put three things down on your to do list for today and Mm -hmm. you try to work towards those three things. Don't think about the other 25 things you may need to do. And this is this is, you know, I'm laughing a little bit, but this has really gotten me through um, this year. And I'm, I'm trying to adopt it for every day where it's a default. But yeah, sometimes you have to just do three things. You focus on those three things. And if you do get them all done, and if you want to do a stretch goal, <laughs> you can do <laughs> one more thing or a half a thing. But you know what? There's going to be some days where you had three things. This has happened to me this week. You've had three things on your list and you barely got through one. And you have to give yourself the grace to like, listen to your body that, okay, maybe I'm tired, maybe I'm stressed, or maybe this is a trigger. Um, so I need to just kind of take it easy. And then, you know what, sometimes the next day I'm able to do two, the, the last two things I was supposed to do, and maybe two other things that I added to the list. So sometimes we do need to give ourselves a break and understand, stop measuring ourselves by productivity. Sometimes we put our value and our worth into productivity. And I admit that I'm one of those people who've done that. Um, and sometimes you just have to realize that you're not going to always have something to show for today. That sometimes you just should be happy that you got through the day. <laughs> you know, you got through the day. I, yeah. I think the one thing you made me think about, too, just with all the things we're discussing, like careers and managing life and family. Yeah. Because you can't separate those from careers these days. Just family is there you spend more time with your work than you do with your family sometimes so you have to find that balance but the the one thing you really made me think of just talking about all this too is along with redefining the work day along with giving ourselves grace along with making sure there's space for life to happen is redefining success like, yes, that's a whole nother podcast episode. But oh, we are doing our planning, so that may be a future. This is planning. Maybe we talk about redefining success yeah. in a career because is success moving up the corporate ladder anymore? I don't know that it is. And yeah. is success making like oodles of money? Is success being visible? Is success being an influencer? I don't know that success is any of those things. And I think success is so incredibly personal 
that is just what you said. Sometimes success is just making it through a day. Yeah. I would say for me, I've in this, I don't know, I'm in my second a third act, maybe <laughs> I have made fulfill, feeling fulfilled a top priority versus, you know, again, nothing wrong with seeking financial security. It's a very, nothing real, it's a very real thing. Um, and we should definitely put it on our list. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes fulfillment, you know, and depending where you are in your career, too. So I would also be cautious, like, you know, sometimes we are in a part of our career where we have to grind, so to speak, or have to like work those hours. And sometimes we're still trying to figure it out. So we might as well at least prioritize financial security. But mm-hmm. you are in a position where you can take a breath and take a break, try to take an inventory. And I think we should be taking these crossroads or inventory or checks, whatever you want to call them, more often than we do in our careers yes. and our lives. So. I, I don't know that there's a schedule for crossroads. I feel that you just know when you're ready for one. Or they, I also just feel like- <laughs> they just pop up in the middle of nowhere when life is going seemingly okay. <laughs> Believe That's me what or no. I, Honestly, that was kind of the direction I was about to go. I think it's more what you know when there's a series of things happening in your life and career that, all right, maybe I need to take a step back and reevaluate what's going on. Um, yeah, or I smell smoke. I, something's burning. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I always think I think it's because I grew up in a religious household. But I always think of the writing on the wall because that goes back to oh um, yes, Old Testament stories. Um, but um, yes. But no, I think like the future, I think, you know, and again, a lot of times we've been having these conversations, not just you and me, but other people are having them. And we need, there need to be more like collective or more people who can actually, dict, you know, influence this change, like as far as um, future work or like work schedules. And um, I, I do believe that with the, pan- the pandemic has definitely shown that we don't have to be in an office every day to, for those of us who work in offices, don't have mm-hmm. to be in offices every day. Um, so we'll see. Um, other future of work, since we are the data literacy podcast, I do, <laughs> I do know we, all these things play a part, but I also just want to accentuate that, you know, data has definitely been more important. Like what are your comments or feedback when you've been hearing that, you know, the pandemic has definitely increased the need for data literacy as far as when we were doing those pandemic charts, news reports, not we, but the news reports were doing them, um, showing us where we were with cases. Like, do you feel that that has definitely sparked a need for even more data literacy or? Well, to answer that, I want to take a couple steps back from that example. Or has it made us shake our head even more vigorously? (laughs) Both things can be true. It it can be an and, not an or. Um, I think about what the pandemic has done as far as data literacy goes, and maybe this is a good note to end on, but um, I think that the way I've always approached data literacy is from a personal level. And personal level means to me that I'm a story in a book. And that means how many other stories in people's lives are included in those books. How many characters are they? And I think it's the same. I think we've seen so many different stories emerge, like the story I shared about my mom and my grandpa, the story of you um, rethinking, like, is this the right job for me? I think let's think about service workers, too, who 
have been on the front lines of trying to <laughs> serve us. Yeah, shout um, out to all the frontline workers. And, yeah. Yeah. But a lot of them, like I have friends back in Seattle who are in the service industry and they're at a crossroads too. Like, is this the right industry for them anymore? And they're wondering what skills they need. And I put that in one of the most recent blog posts, one of my friends, it's like, she needs Excel skills. Like Excel's a gateway to data literacy. And I think these are, there's so many stories that we have yet to collect and so many people who are impacted in different ways. Like shout out to my friend, Mindy from Seattle. She's like, everyone's experienced the pandemic differently. And everyone's going to experience data literacy differently. So what we have to do as advocates is create open spaces for people to tell their story so that we can affect change through everyone's voice. Yeah. No, I agree. Totally agree. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I know we had to, I know we, we have to wrap up our... <laughs> planning session here but I think we got a lot out of our good out of our planning session I mean I think that we've acknowledged and hopefully with this episode that we've acknowledged that we hear you audience we know like there's been a lot that's happened with the pandemic or maybe something that's more micro to your lives that's impacted like where it's what's next um but yeah I think that you know there's definitely no matter what we're going through, and then this is not this is just not a shameless plug, but it's true that data is definitely going to be a part of that, no matter what. And so the tie that binds. <laughs> yeah, the tie that binds. So, but yeah, I think there's definitely a lot of things that is on a lot of people's mind, like the future of work or whether or what your second or third act may be. But I would just you know recommend just taking an inventory of your of what your strengths are, what you feel is you know if you you know you can still what's important, write, what's important to you. you may not all have the i don't want to use the word privilege you may not have the opportunity or privilege let's just keep it real mm-hmm. to maybe infect everything that you want to do but you should still write it down because you can work towards it it may not happen tomorrow but it can happen if with continuous thought and planning it could happen in a year or two so mm-hmm. yeah definitely write it down I think we have our next podcast episode now to redefining success. And maybe that's something we can dive into a bit more. Next yeah. Time. Redefining success. I think that's a good one. Like I said, I think we teased us, teased the audience a little bit. Like, you know, <laughs> it doesn't have to be about bonuses and. Um, no, what's success to you? And what, yeah, it what could be for, fulfillment? for those of those who are, who are hitting their bonus goals, shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you know? to those of you who are still trying and hustling and maybe you're taking a nap or two, shout out to you too. Yes, yeah, because you need to get your sleep cycle back on track. So exactly. You be a better person person <laughs> but um you know this has been fun i'm glad we finally did this sir because we always talk about okay why don't we have one of our meetings as a taped <laughs> episode so i think we exactly. accomplished that <laughs> i love it i'm glad we could do this all right be data lit listeners thanks for joining us and our live planning session and things that go through mine and alan's head and now we have a episode coming up next too also we have been doing work we have a couple of guests lined up, so stay tuned to that too as we announce them in the future. Yeah, and Sarah has been dropping blog posts, blog, blog posts, um, <laughs> like coin, like quarters in a bucket, or <laughs> so.
<laughs> so, I'm terrible at quarters, just letting you know. Yeah, but. so she's definitely dropped a few. Definitely read them. She gets introspective in one of her posts. And she also gives you like five tips um, for data storytelling, I believe. Not data, data literacy. Data literacy. Tips. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> what do we talk about? Data literacy. I know. I know. <laughs> All right, everyone. Talk All soon. All right. Thank you, everyone. Talk to you soon. Thank you.